Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. We're getting started. Page 11 in your study guides. Good morning to everybody at home. The title of today's lesson is the, uh, the Incarnation. Central truth is that God's purpose in the Incarnation was to reveal Himself through Christ. Obviously covering quite a bit of ground on the theme uh, this morning of God in flesh through Jesus. Jesus being the Son, of course. I mean, that's, that's a given. Um, what's that? Oh, we don't know why that does that. We need to get a we we need to get a real camera, <laughs> and not be using a phone. It's hard. So um, every Christmas, we especially around Christmas time, and and I want to make sure I'm clear. Well, even though we come around Christmas time, this is not something that we're supposed to be attributing to Christmas activity. It should not be a Christmas activity that we actually talk about. Amen. Um, Christ and the, and the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ. Um, how do I say this? The birth of Christ is not a Christmas story. Amen. It is your life story. Amen. It, so we have to make sure that we keep that in the right context. I I like Western culture holidays, and I like those. I, I think those are those are fine. Those are okay. You can go back through history, and there's uh, throughout history, civilizations had uh, traditions that they celebrated and did, and, and things of that nature. I don't necessarily have a problem at all with celebrating the way that we do. I do have a problem that somehow Jesus gets thrown in as some sort of an option uh, to bring out and say, oh, yeah, you know, this is we got this thing over here, and then we got this thing over here, and then we got this thing over here, and that's what the whole thing's about. It's like, well, no. <laughs> no, it's not about three different things or four. It's about one. Jesus. And one only. And I'm going to, you know, and that's the that's the, really the thing that I want to carry is I don't just want to make it, you know, a December event. It needs to be January, February, March, April, May, and onward event Amen. that we actually live by. So um, looking under Let's Get Started, Christmas is one of the busiest times of the year, both uh, in individual families and in the church. It's easy to get so caught up in the preparation that we forget the purpose. All right, so the other night we were watching Charlie Brown Christmas, which is one of my favorite. As, as a yeah, I mean, that's just as a kid, I grew up on Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> and that may sound kind of weird, but think of, I was thinking about the content, though, of the show, the content of it. What were they, most of the time, it's just known as, you know, the fact that Linus comes out at the end and, and he starts to talk about the real meaning of Christmas. And if what I think is so, so interesting about that is that if you'll, if you'll remember the cartoon, Linus never drops the blanket. But when he talked about Christ, he drops the blanket, Amen. which is very interesting to me because Linus's security was always wrapped up in that blanket. Yeah. But that show came out in 1966, <clears throat> and even in 1966, there was this warning about not allowing Christmas to be commercialized. I mean, Charlie Brown talked about it throughout the show, and I thought that's so crazy. That was in 1966. This is 2020, and we're still talking the same message. And how the uh, I was telling her, I said, well, it didn't work very well. <laughs> it commercialized. And it did. I mean, I'm not saying that's... And even once again, it's it's one of those things where you, you look at it and I see all the, you know, the things that it's turned into. And I, I like 
the fact that there's a nativity that you can put in your yard. We weren't able to get one this year. I think next year I might shoot for one. But man, it is way more than just being able to put a nativity in your yard. And, and if you have one, that's fine. I'm not knocking that. I'm simply saying that it's become so commercialized that even the nativity has been commercialized. They've even taken that and they're like, oh, well, you, can get, you can get the big size or you can get the medium size or you can get the small size. And I'm thinking, it just doesn't feel authentic. Does that make sense? It doesn't feel authentic of we're putting this to worship the Lord and we're to praise the Lord. No, the warnings were given even clear back to Charlie Brown Christmas. Don't allow this thing to become commercialized. And if anything, we couldn't prevent it in our society. If anything, don't allow, allow it to become that in your heart. Yeah. Let's not allow that to take place here. So I said, every family has Christmas traditions that are meaningful to them, but none of those traditions are as important as the reason we celebrate Christmas. This Christmas lesson falls in the middle of our study of the book of Isaiah, which is a perfect fit. Approximately 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah spoke of the Messiah's advent. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will, be, uh, and will call him Emmanuel, which obviously means God with us. You know that what the definition is. That son would be God dwelling among his people for 33 years, but his kingdom would be eternal. Today's lesson focuses on Jesus as that incarnate son of God who came and lived among the people as the eternal word of God who was with God and was God. He will always be God. To know him is to know God. So I don't want to get into all the details uh, that we're going to cover. Uh, so with that said, let's go to verse, uh, page 12. Let's read our scriptures. Haley, can you read those this morning? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but he did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Before you seated, before you seated, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word. I want to thank you for the word as it goes forth. Father, I pray this morning, God, that we have a full understanding of what the Christmas season is about. And, Father, that we don't just have an, uh, an idea about a season, but we have an understanding about life. Father, I pray, God, as this word goes forth, oh God, by airway or here this morning, God, I pray that we are constantly under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to live by your word. 
Father, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for letting us gather. And Father, we just pray a blessing on this morning's teaching. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay. So, part one, the eternal word. I'm sorry. Move on down there. When most people think of Christmas, they think of the baby Jesus in a manger. Mary and Joseph, angels and shepherds. All right, so, yes, that's, and that's all true. That's, that all happened. Those were real people. It all, it all happened just like that. But when, when something becomes commercialized, when, when you take something like that, and, and that's what I, I want to refer back to the nativity, because you take that and then you, you make wood cuttings out of it and you do all these different things out of it. And I love it. I think it's fantastic. But you, do you notice that there is a thin line, that once you cross that line, then it's just about, I want to sell as many nativities this year as I can. And really miss the meaning behind the whole purpose of what the nativity is even about. I mean, there's people putting nativity out in their yard that don't even know anything about it. Just because it seems to fit the, the, the quota for what's supposed to be done around this time of year. I'm supposed to put that in my yard. I'm supposed to hang that up. Do you really know what that means? Do you really mean, you know that that is, and, and like, you know, there's, if we've got any kids in here, the, the, the whole thing has been mixed. You know, you've got Jesus and you've got, you've got Santa and you've got all these things and they're mixed in with the truth. And it's, and it's, and it's this thing over here and it's, well, then it's about family. What is, okay, I, I, I can agree with you. It's about family. It, but if you put all the emphasis on one thing, and it gets all the emphasis, and then we forget about the truth. Because, truth be told, there is no family without understanding Christ. Amen. We, we don't really understand family. You, you can't even really love family properly without Christ. And so, the, the perspective has to be, has to be uh, reorganized again. I think even from the, the church's standpoint, we, we've got to reorganize that and understand, what are we even doing this thing for? What, what is the whole reason that we're doing this? Why did we come to church on Sunday morning? Why are we celebrating this way? Are we doing it because that's what's always been done? Because that's what the popular thing to do is? Like I said, I got no problem with holidays. No problem whatsoever. I like them. I enjoy them. But not at the expense of my Savior. No way. No way. I'm not, I can't. I can't sell out that way. I just can't. I'm not saying that you have either. I'm just saying that should be something that convicts us. That should be something that hits us. That should be something that, that we look at ourselves and say, you know, I did. I got caught up this year. I got caught up in uh, all the, the stuff that's going on. And, and you know what's, what is so frustrating is that because of the pace, and I think sometimes we're victim of pace, and it's not even a pace that necessarily you set. You're just, you're, you are a victim of the pace that society has set. How many of you have said, Oh man, I'm running out of time to get my stuff done, get my shopping done. I'm running out of time. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying when you when we start giving ourselves those type of timelines, I start personally noticing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're more disciplined than I am. I hope that you are. I start reorganizing things, and sometimes prayer, Bible, and God gets put last. And I'm thinking, isn't that crazy, though? Because isn't this the time of year that we're supposed to be reminded? Amen. 
of what we're supposed to be doing, but yet we're doing the complete opposite. And it's like this crazy neck-breaking pace to get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. How many of you, when the holidays are over, thank God that they're out of the way? <laughs> when I, and I'm being honest. I'm just being honest. And the reason we're so thankful they're out of the way is because it's not necessarily the Christ that we were trying to get out of the way. That's not it. It's the pace that was set that's so difficult to keep up with that we wanted to get out of the way. And so that makes me wonder, if I'm thankful for that, then I was wrapped up in it anyway. I was too wrapped up. If I'm like, I'm glad that's over with, then I was probably intertwined in it. And so understand me this morning. I'm not saying you're doing the wrong thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't go shopping. I, 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 hey, I went with Misty. I worked a full day. Then went out with her the other night, stayed out late, whatever we could do. You know, you say, whatever we got to do, we got to finish before that day. And so you're going. I've seen some of you out. Like, hey, there's so-and-so. There's so-and-so. Like, well, they're at it. It's 10 o'clock, too. <laughs> and we're doing whatever it takes. Just don't forget why we're doing it. Amen. Don't forget why we're doing it. Take some time to stop and go pray and say, thank you for sending your son. Thank you. Thank you that he died on the cross for me and that I'm saved today and that if I die today, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Thank you. And so that's a, that's a recall. A recall, and it brings, it brings us back to where we need to be. Um, Sean, yeah, go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you for coming down and putting on this flesh, because I'm sure that was... That's oh, like, good, yeah. He didn't want to step down out of heaven and glory and everything to, to yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I can't even wrap my brain around what he had to go from to come to. Right. And, but at least he had that. He knew what he was going back to. <laughs> so I'm sure he was like, let's get done with this so I can get back up let's there. Let's get back up there. That's good. Okay. So um, this perspective on Christ's arrival is covered by other gospel writers, but John begins with a detailed look at the pre-existent Christ and why he came to earth, often called the gospel of belief. John's gospel was written in part to correct wrong beliefs in the first century, yet today it still serves that purpose. So the the, the gospel is it serves always to serve us in correcting where there is wrong thinking, right? Wrong belief systems. Amen. Um, the, the one thing that you have to make sure of is that even though you're a believer, that doesn't mean that you don't need corrected on your belief. And I think yeah. often Christians think that because they have found Jesus, that there is no need for the correction of belief anymore. Then that's wrong. It's totally wrong. It's like, Okay, I get that you found Christ, you're saved, you're going to heaven. But you still need to be corrected, and the way that you are corrected is by the gospel. Amen. We are, I've been sold out to, to ideas before, and I said ideas. I've been sold out to ideas before, only to open the word of God and for him to just blatantly tell me, you're wrong. You're, you're just wrong. I was like, I was sure I was right. <laughs> I was certain. It's like, I mean, high opinion doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And, and we're so given to that at times that we think that I, I'm right, especially in a society that exercises the power to express opinion. And I'm all for that. That's fine. But the gospel is non-negotiable. We don't, we don't negotiate the Bible 
uh, and negotiate the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not negotiable. I'm not going to have that discussion with you. He died and rose again for me. Amen. It's not, so it's not, a, it's not a, even a discussion. But there are so many other things that we need to be taught. So many other things that we need to be, we need to constantly be exposed to. We need to be exposed to teaching. We need to be exposed to things that challenge our belief. So, well, I believe in Jesus, but that doesn't make you right about everything. You just Amen. found the one. Congratulations. I did too. <laughs> and now the training begins. Yes. Amen. A lifelong journey of deciphering right from wrong. Working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Lifelong journey. So, we, we, we have to be, um, when we're talking about the gospel and wrong beliefs, um, we have to be okay with accepting that sometimes we're wrong. And then we're not always right. <laughs> and, I, and I did. I took that and I literally squeezed that topic out of that. So I can say it. Because it's important to me. It's important to me because I'm notorious in my family of thinking I'm right and then finding out I'm wrong. Amen. <laughs> I hate to admit that. It's awful. But it's true. It's true. And so I... Uh, I think it, it's so valuable because I found that peace to be so valuable in my life It's in, in realizing I'm not always right. And I'm wrong a lot. And the thing that God had showed me so long ago is in order to learn, you have to get comfortable with being wrong. You have to be. you got to be okay with it. And the moment we become uncomfortable with being wrong, We've become unteachable. And that's awful. Think about it. I mean, think about trying to raise your kids. Some of you have raised your kids already, and, and some of you are in the process of raising kids. There's nothing worse than a kid that absolutely refuses to see that they're wrong. Correct? Amen. There's nothing worse than that. But isn't it, isn't it a parent's delight the moment that you can teach a kid and they get it? Amen. Ah, I get it now. Amen. Hey, all right. This is not a war about who's right and who's wrong. This is just about right rising to the top. I wonder sometimes how long how God does that. And he's like, thank God he finally got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to teach you that for 15 thank years. You. you finally get it. Finally got it. One such error was the denial that Jesus is, always has been, and always will be God. John clearly refuted this teaching. As the second person of the Trinity, Jesus was present with God the Father and God the Spirit before creation began. So we obviously know that you can go back to Genesis and you can do a little bit of homework there. And you can see that the, the Trinity is present. One of the things that I've, I've you know, I've, I was take, getting some teaching, reading some different books. And one of the things, when we start talking about the Trinity, we always have to be careful not to itemize the Trinity. And what I mean by that is, is we have God the Father up here. We have Jesus. He's somewhere in the middle. And then we got the Holy Spirit. He's kind of last on the totem pole. It's funny because there are a lot of Christians that view the Trinity as one, two, three, meaning higher all the way down to lower. It's not that way. They are three, but they are one, and they are, right? Not vertical, horizontal. Okay, does that make sense? And so you can't view it that way either. And so this is where, and this is where the Holy Spirit gets left out a lot of times. It's like, well, God, yeah, He's the Father. We sure enough got to pay attention to Him. Jesus, He's the Son. He died for our sins. We sure enough got to pay attention to Him. But then there's that last guy on the totem pole, which is the Holy Spirit. We don't really talk. We don't talk about Him much. He's kind of the mysterious one. 
No, he's the reason that Jesus left the earth. Amen. Thank God. Because without the Holy Spirit, you don't get no conviction. You don't get no chill bumps. You don't get no inspirations. You don't get no dreams. You don't get no visions. You don't get no miracles. You don't get, no miracles. You don't get none of that stuff without the Holy Spirit. Not no discernment, yeah. Gifts, forget them. The, the, the Holy Spirit is the curator of all gifts of the Spirit. He's the one that operates and makes those things work. So it's not a, it's not a vertical, it's a horizontal. Where, think about this. Where does Jesus stand now that he's ascended to heaven? Where does he stand? Where does the Bible say his the actual right placement? Hand. The right hand of the Father. Yeah. Horizontal, not vertical. To make it absolutely clear that Jesus is God, John added the word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. The Greek word logos translated word is an important word, which uh, conveys the critical truth that Jesus is in fact God. Always got to pay attention to your, uh, your Greek and your Hebrew text. How many of you have uh, used or have used the Strong's Concordance for study? If, if you are not using it, you should start. It is phenomenal at revealing true meanings of words. If you have a question about things, you can go and look up that one particular word, and it will give you the meaning. And you might be completely surprised that certain words in the English language mean nothing like you think they mean in the context of the Word of God, especially when you go back to the Hebrew and the Greek, and you think, whoa, I didn't think that it meant that. Do you know that there's about, you, 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 there are some words, so there's five and six and seven different meanings. And you got to find out which one applies to that verse. And you think, well, because I, I read that same type of verse over in this book, and, and that meant that, so it must mean this here, too. No, that's not true. It doesn't always mean that. And you can't always think of it as equally across. You've got to do your homework. Um, and sometimes the Strong's, uh, and I'm, just, I'm giving that as a recommendation. If you've never used the Strong's Concordance before, Become familiar with it and start using it in your Bible study. It's, it's, it's actually a blast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. There are Strong's apps, too. You can get a, I have a couple. But there is mm -hmm. the big, thick coordinates. Oh, yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah but I, I think I usually use the, the one on my phone the most. Mm -hmm. It's a Bible, and it's got the word on there. You can just click on the word, or else you can punch in a word and search it. Yeah. I, yeah, I could probably spend hours just like, it's like, oh, I want to look up that word. Oh, I want to look up that word. Yes. And when you find that one word that's in there only one time, it's like, why was this one word mentioned in the Bible only one time? And why is it only there? And I'm like, and then you just go down the rabbit holes. And, in the rabbit hole. And, and the gems and the gold, you just start digging. <laughs> you start digging, yeah. exactly. It's good. Okay, he says Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is, is the express image of God in person or exact representation of his being. Jesus spoke of how he reveals the nature of God the Father by his words and actions because he is one with the Father. So, and what he was saying was, if you've seen me, and he said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. And so, we understand him as being that exact representation of the Father. The words he spoke, the way he spoke and handled himself to people, the things that he'd done, the love and compassion that he showed, that's the Father conveyed through him. So if you, if, if you want to know how the Father is, you just look at Jesus. Um, you know, even in judgment. I mean, look at what Jesus did uh, to the people that had um, uh, polluted the temple with uh, loitering. 
I mean, they're selling, buying, selling, and trading. He goes in, and he's ripping the place apart. He's upset. He's angry. Yeah, that's God. Sometimes he gets angry when we pollute what's pure. So it's really good. Um, Jesus isn't like God. Jesus is God, one in nature or essence with the Father. Jesus is God incarnate, through whom people receive grace and truth. Jesus is eternal and creator of all things. The phrase in the beginning is crucial. Jesus opens with the same phrase in a declaration that God created the heavens and earth. Not only was Jesus there in the beginning with God, Jesus in fact made all things. Jesus is not a, a created entity. That's a really good point. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. And think about that for just a minute. The angels were created. All things that surround God were created, but you will never find anything about the other two parts of the Trinity being created by God the Father. They've always been, and they always will be. That's what the Bible says. So I, that is almost, it almost takes you to a place where you can't even put words to it. You can't quite explain that because it's, there's, there's such a, uh, a mass to it. And so... Jesus is not a created entity, as some were teaching and still teach today. As the creator, Jesus is the source of life, including spiritual and eternal life. He is also the source of light. What people can know about God comes through Jesus, who is the light of the world. And that's where everybody now is getting it wrong and are so upset and so frustrated because now we are living in a society where they believe there are multiple ways to God. Where there are other faiths teaching, you can do it this way, and you can do it that way, and you can you can come through this way, and so many different beliefs. And I, I'm not going to go into to you know naming any of those or, or even talking about that. I just simply want to say that the Bible is explicit about Jesus, and the only way to the Father is through the Son. Amen. That's it. And once again, that becomes one of those topics that's non-negotiable. I'm not going to I'm not going to debate that. That's, that's the Word of God. And, and the Word of God says, this is the way that it is. And so, a way to, well, let's look at it this way. Way to light, life, blessings, eternity, anything connected with the spiritual realm and in, in a place that I want to be and live has to come through Christ. Think about eternity. Let's talk about that for just a minute. So I asked a question to my coworkers years back, and it was just for, uh, just for fun. I just thought, I want to take a poll. There was, I worked with about 26, 27 different people in the particular area that I was in. And so I was getting into some different study and stuff, and I just wanted to ask a question to everybody. And I had a little booklet, and I just took everybody's um, answer down. And I said, and I made an assumption, of course, that you are going to heaven. And I said, when you make it to heaven, who do you want to see the most? I, random question. Who do you want to see the most? And I just took everybody's answer. And one day, you would have been surprised at the people that just broke down and started crying. Just like that. I was like, it's not the reaction I was expecting. <laughs> I was just asking, when, when home comes, who do you want to meet the most? Would grandma come up? Dad? Obvious answers. Child. There were so many different things that impacted me. 
But what impacted me the most was, and without judgment, I wasn't so sure that they knew exactly how to get there. Mm-hmm. That's what impacted me the most. That it's dangerous to make the assumption that you're going to make it to heaven. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing. There is a one-way path, and it's through Christ. In Christ alone, there's no other way. So as Christians, we have to make sure, even though it's unpopular now, and remind people, he's the only way. You're not getting to go see them, if indeed they are there. You do not get to go see them without going to Christ first. He's the pathway. And so as, as unpopular as that is today, We've got to speak the truth. Okay. Um, Part two, the true light. Having established the true nature of Jesus as God, John moved forward with the story of Jesus as the Word made flesh, who came as light of the world. The story of his coming begins with his birth, with another miraculous birth, that of John the Baptist. John was the only child of an older couple. His mother had been barren before God intervened. God, God called John to be the forerunner of the Messiah. John's ministry was to bear witness of Jesus as the Messiah. John's gospel is clear that the ministry of John the Baptist was to point people to faith in Jesus. That kind of ministry is still needed today. Amen. He was the forerunner, but there, there still has to be people that are pointing. Right? We still got a point. John the Baptist denied being the Messiah, even while proclaiming the anointed one was coming. John described himself as the voice in the wilderness that prepared the way for the Lord. John declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God and the Son of God. John was the one who bore witness to the light, but was not the light himself. Only Jesus, the true light, could bring spiritual illumination to the hearts of people. So, the question really that comes up to me is, how are we doing that? Because obviously light has to be spread, right? You can't, the Bible says we can't take our light and we can't hide it, right? Amen. We, have to, we have to let the light shine. And so that poses a question, how do you do that, and are you doing that effectively? That's a, that's, a hard, that's a good question to ask, and I think to answer is, are we doing that properly? Are we doing it correctly? Are we actually even doing it, period? So it's, it's hard sometimes to approach people. I always admire people that go out of their way and talk directly, just aggressively go and talk. I've actually... Had that happened to me, I've been in the store before, and people are like, just, you can tell. They're trying to bring it up because they're trying to witness. And I love it. I think it's great. And, I ha- and I'll talk to them a little while, and then I'll confirm with them, hey, you and I, I think we know the same Lord. Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, and there's this relief. You know, he was trying to witness. Great. You should do that. But that was, see, that was his ministry, and that was what he was trying to do. I always admire that. But I don't want to always, as a, as a person, as a Christian, as a believer, I don't always want to hide behind just lifestyle. Well, my lifestyle should be enough. Okay, yeah, that's important. But what do you say to people? What do you say when you have the opportunity? And if it wasn't important, then why does God knock on our door to do such? Mm-hmm. Come on. Amen. If, if, if lifestyle was enough, I mean, if it was just enough to just live and let people see you, then why does he knock on our door and tell us to go talk to him? Yeah. Why does he do that? Why does he challenge us? And, and, and it was funny because it's easy to just live the lifestyle. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you don't go through hard times. I'm not negating that. I'm just saying it's so much easier to witness by just simply not having to say anything. 
but it is a whole different thing in itself when you actually have to start saying what you believe. Yeah. It's different. I don't know how many times I get baffled or people baffled. Do you don't watch R-rated movies anymore? No. It's <laughs> like, no, Lord asked me to give up Star Wars. What? It's like, don't you like Star Wars? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just asked me to give it up. And it's like, why? And like, and it just baffles their minds. Yeah. It's like, they can't put their finger on it and understand mm-hmm. why. And I'm like, you don't listen to that kind of music anymore? I'm like, no. Like, if it's this or that, it's like, I try to keep it as far away from me as I can. And they just can't get it. And right. I mean, there was one time where I just couldn't get it. But <laughs> thank God I'm past that. But, and hopefully never go back to that. But it's it brings up questions and, and other people will come to me. I've had I, multiple conversations, even with believers. It's like, hey, why did the Lord ask you to get rid of Star Wars? Because that's been the newest one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. He just told me to get rid of it. I knew he wanted me to get rid of it. I'm just dropping it off, stopping it. Right. And and he's trying to wrap his brain around that. It's like, why would he ask you to get rid of it? It's just Star Wars. I'm like, I don't know. Right. Why? I just know he told me to let it go. And and that's healthy. What's And I think that challenges belief yeah it challenges it it makes you like well this is what i'm getting in my prayer life and then you tell someone else and they're like i haven't been getting that in my prayer life maybe i should be yeah <laughs> so that's that's good though i like that all right so jesus came into the world he created to reveal the father most people did not recognize jesus for who he is they still don't tragically his own people did not perceive him to be the messiah in spite of the many promises and prophecies of the old testament so many of them failed to receive him so when it, it it wasn't the fact that they were in denial of him and what he proclaimed they just simply could not grasp what he was telling them when he said he's the son and everything is going to go through him and you you're going to be redeemed remember they blew him away when he said your sins are forgiven he's like the pharisees were like who are you to forgive sin and so Today, that's still happening. Still happening. This right here is happening in the church. Yeah. yeah. You think oh, that's not possible. No, that's not possible. Yes, because they do not fully accept him for who he is. And so if we, let me just kind of chase this for just a minute. If you accept him for who he is, you actually have to live by the standards that he set. Amen. And that's where the denial comes from. This is why I truly believe this is why there's there's this place in uh, I believe it's Revelation where um, you know we're standing before him and 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 they're saying I did all these things for you and he says I don't know you. How in the world is that possible? Yeah. How in the world is that possible that you could stand before God or there could be a, a sect of people that stood before God and say we cast out devils in your name? And he said I don't know you. How's that even possible? Unless they hadn't really fully accepted who he is. And so that, that's like Sean talking about that, that challenges my belief. I'm like, whoa, let's whoa, step, step back just for a minute here and let me make sure I accept him for who he is. If he's the light, have I accepted the, the light? If he's the life, does my life resemble that life? Let's 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 stop all the, the the stuff that we're doing and let's bring it together and let's find out in comparison side by side if we really are accepting Christ for who He is. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're not. Well, they was doing that to lift ourselves up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it to lift up Jesus. That's right. 
and that's the reason he said that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know you because you wasn't doing it. Yeah. To glorify me, you're doing it to glorify yourself. Doing it for yourself. Very good. All right, so uh, it says, however, John's gospel shares the stories of many who did put their faith in Jesus, such as Nicodemus, a blind man who was healed, and Mary and Martha. Even so, some Jewish leaders regarded Jesus to be a threat to their authority. What's, what's so funny to me about that is even that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. You heard me Wednesday night. I mentioned about wearing the wrong armor, you know, coming into the into the presence of God with the wrong armor on. You're wearing armor not to fight the enemy, but to actually wrestle against God and to keep him off of you. And and this hasn't changed. And let me make that point again. It says, you know, some Jewish leaders have regarded Jesus to be a threat to their authority. That's why there's so much wrestling with God is because we have a place of authority in our life and we don't want to lose it. Yeah. And to, to accept Christ for who he is means you have to give it up. And it means that every time across the board. I had met one Christian that when they became, when they got saved had to give up the pride and the arrogance and the old life. Everybody has to give up the old way. It's just the way that it is. It's what we're asked to do. So when when I see that the you know that theme that the Jewish leaders did not want to accept him because of their teaching and the way that they seen things, and they said, "No, this is not the Messiah. This is not the promised one." No, we're not gonna we're not gonna bow to this. Remember, their their imagery was always of a king that descended out of heaven. He's gonna set up a throne with power and authority and rule over everybody. Baby in a manger was not what they were expecting. Yeah. Um, come from humble origins, they were expecting a king king, and what they got was a baby in in the poorest place around. That's what they got, and so. They could never really accept that. It just really didn't jive with, with what they, their perception was. And so without spending too much time on it, therein lies the problem always is our high opinion and idea of the way things should be versus what the truth is. Amen. Versus what is spoken, what is said. You'd be surprised how many Christians are lost today. Christians are lost today. The truth is right in front of them. It's in the Word of God. It's right there in front of them. And they just won't read it to find out. You shouldn't be confused over those matters. Uh, I believe it was even said in the Bible, there was a, uh, there was a point where, um, I can't remember who said it. He said, you should be on the meat. You should be chewing on hard stuff. But we have to keep going back and teaching the, the simple stuff, the milk stuff, and you should be much farther along than this. That's where a lot of Christians are at today. They still got the bottle. And that's all they want to feed on. I found Jesus. That's great. It's time to move on. We got to, we're going to have to learn some things from Jesus now. Now we've got to get convicted. Now we've got to be shaped and molded into his image, right? You wasn't shaped and molded into his image on Salvation Day. No, no remember, you just met him. Long, lifelong relationship. That was comfortable, that's why. Yeah. And it's harder to chew on that meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit harder. Very good. As it is much harder to chew on the meat. All right, so uh, their authority was threatened. Their opposition to Christ, together with the corruption of the uh, of human nature, eventually led to many of the Jewish people rejecting Jesus as their promised Messiah. That's why he ended up being crucified. It was just a flat-out rejection. Yeah, he was sold out by one of his own guys, which is awful anyway. But they wanted to kill him before his guy betrayed him. They were wanting to kill him long before that. They, you, you can go back and read. They, they, they sought 
because of the things that he was doing. And he was teaching contradictory to the way that they saw things. And they said, we're going to have to find a way to get rid of this guy. we got to find a way to knock this guy off. He's upsetting. He's upsetting what we're doing. Well, that's a life with Jesus does that. Kind of upset some things. I have still, church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you know him or not. I still find Christ upsetting things in my life. Amen. I still find it. He's still doing it. Thank God. Hallelujah. I'm glad he's upset my apple cart. I need to have it tipped over sometimes. Come back to the realization of who he is, what he can do. I feel good that I can be convicted. I'm worried if I haven't been convicted. So we need we need we need to be okay with that. All right. Um, what was that? The difference between uh, rejecting or receiving Jesus is dramatic. Faith in Jesus, in contrast to opposing him, results in new birth as a child of God. This is the work of God alone, not the result of anything humans can do. It is a matter of choosing to believe and follow. Choice. Choose it. You choose this day whom you will serve. Right? It's choice. You get to choose. You can decide how the whole thing goes down. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into it, but that is, I, I personally believe, that is, one of the pivot points that make judgment what it is from God. Because when you stand before God, you cannot stand on anything other than choice. He's not gonna come to you and talk about an accident that you fell into. He's gonna say you chose to do it because it was always your choice. It was always your choice to do it. I, I truly believe that. I think it's going to come down to that. What, what did you choose? Um, it's a matter of choosing to believe and follow. Being born again happens to a person as a result of God's action. He chose you first, right? Amen. He chose you first. You choose to accept what he did for you. You get it? That's, if you, I say that I found him. But he actually found me. Amen. I say that, you know, I, I did my part. But I simply only joined what was already established. And then when you start really looking at it from the right perspective, you realize that you didn't really do anything. You, I mean, literally, you didn't do anything. You just said, yes, I accept. And I repent. And that was it. And he did the rest. It's so simple. It's so simple. But we complicate it so often. Okay. Running out of time. Got just a little bit of time left. Part three. The Word made flesh. Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world as the Son of Man. Jesus, who is the Word, came into the world. The world he created as a human being. He is the Word, or Logos, made flesh in describing Jesus as the Word. John made a profound statement. Jesus is God. The same God who created the universe through his power and his wisdom, and yet he has come to earth in human flesh. What a marvelous picture of God's love and the lengths to which he would go in order to show compassion for the fallen human race. Well, he didn't, he didn't have to do it. No. He didn't have to. Well, go back to just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Adam and Eve and the fall of man. So they fell, right? They chose wrong. And he said, okay. That's a mistake. So the fig leaves. He said, all right, you can't stay here. You're going to have to live over here. But he assisted them. And he helped them. He could have. 
just said, I told you not to do it. And now it's over. No chance. I don't know. I'm not going through thousands of years of dealing with you people. <laughs> he could have said that, but he didn't. He come up with a game plan, said it'll probably take a couple thousand years to get it done, but they're worth it. And I often take value away from his love for me because I don't correctly look at the extent that he went to actually get me to him. And it was vast. And it was large. And he filled the gap and made it possible. He didn't have to do all that. He didn't have to do thousands of years. He didn't have to, he didn't have to go to all of the extent that he did. He didn't have to give his son, which if you think about it, church, you can look at it from a from a, a story standpoint if you want, but putting his son in flesh form and putting him under temptation was risky business. Then that whole thing could have went wrong. But he did it for you and me. Amen. Now, let's put love in the right context. Now I start to see how much he really loves me and how much he really wanted to bring me into his kingdom. I don't think we're going to fully get it, though, until he comes and gets us. I don't think we're really going to get it until he makes that, that return, Jimmy, and, and comes to get his children. When we see what, when he said, I go, if I go away, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place, I will come again to get you. Amen. I don't know what that's going to be like, but you know it's going to be good. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be good. All right, I'm really out of time, but let me, uh, uh, let me keep moving. Um, what was that, actually? Jesus humbled oh, himself. Oh, yeah, Jesus humbled himself. Sorry. <laughs> Came to earth so people would not perish because of their sins, but could receive life that is full and eternal. As an eyewitness of the life of Jesus, the Apostle John could testify of how Jesus' glory was displayed through miraculous signs. Jesus humbly set the glory of heaven aside when he came to dwell among his people, which is still mind-blowing. Philippians, uh, and that's in uh, Philippians 2, 6-8. Jesus' humble obedience to the Father led to the cross, where he became the sacrifice for the sins of all people. As the only begotten, or one and only Son, Jesus is uniquely the Son of God in the sense he was, is, and always will be God. By his coming to live on earth in his humble obedience to the will of the Father, Jesus made the way for people to be born anew and God's children by faith. So we're going to stop there. there were, we've covered a lot of information this morning, uh, but we're uh, really keying in on the importance of Christ and his sacrifice. And, and going, I just want to briefly just explain something, too. You notice there in that paragraph um, when it said that um, Jesus humbly set the glory of heaven aside when he came to dwell among people. Jesus' humble obedience to the Father led to the cross. When the Father knew, it's like the only way that we can do this, because understand that everything was set up on a sacrificial system. Everything was set up on a sacrificial system. So there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be. And he looks at Jesus, and I, I'm just paraphrasing. I don't know how this went. The only way this is going to get done is if you go, I'll accept you, but that's it. I won't accept no other sacrifice. You're the only one. And he said, I'll go. I'll go. And he went for you and me. Amen. 
What an amazing story. What an amazing story. We're out of time. God bless you guys. Have a good service. Thank you.